Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Angel the Sound Girl podcast, starring Brian P, the sexy co-host. And of course, we have Christopher G, the talented musician co-host and maker of fart and dick jokes, and me, your MC, Jay Colo. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Before we get started, shout out to our sponsor, GorisNexus.com. Make sure you check them out. Uh, Brandon does a great job of putting together a huge community. You can find us on there. You can find Dag on there and the seeds that he has, the business that he has, lots of stuff, audio books, uh, crypto stuff, us truly again. And of course, our guest, a friend of the podcast, a friend of the host. Uh, you guys have heard him on here. Christ, I don't know, six times, seven times. He's part of the family. It's like Olive Garden, like we were saying before the show. Mm -hmm. uh, please welcome Sal Mayweather. Thank you very much for coming back. Up, oh, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Always. So before we get started, I don't know if anybody knows this. It's been talked about. If you've been on Twitter, you know, you've seen it. Uh, Sal organized, assembled a book called Anti-Politics, right? A collection of agorist essays. It is now number one new release in anarchism. So mazel tov to our friend Sal. Uh, I think it's really rad that you did this. Uh, I'm, I, I haven't bought it yet. I know that Christopher has, and I know that Brian has. Yeah, Brian already has his copy. I read the foreword this morning. I'm holding my, out. My, my copy isn't coming until tomorrow, but. Well, I'm yeah, holding it's out. It's on the way. I'm holding it's out so because far. I want to know how I get a personalized autographed copy of this book. <laughs> like, well, it's, it, it's funny you ask. I actually, I bought a bunch of author copies that I'm going to. Don't tell Jeff Bezos because I'm pretty sure it violates our agreement. But <laughs> I'm gonna I'm actually uh, selling like selling them on the side. I was gonna use some for promotional giveaways and stuff like that. I've got one left and it's got your name on it. So uh, when we get off here, let me know where where I'm sending it to and it's yours. Thanks, pal. I appreciate that because I, I was gonna buy it anyway. But you know, I, I I would love a personalized copy. So thank you for that. So talking about this book. I'm really excited. I mean, I'm sure that most of us have read a lot of Agorist uh, uh, essays. I mean, of course, talking about Sam, the rock star. But really, could you talk to us a little bit about why you decided to put this together, why you uh, assembled this book, what inspired you, all of that good stuff? Yeah, so basically two, two, two reasons, two things here. So number one, I, I decided to do this the day that the Mises Caucus uh, blocked me. I was like, you know, I have to, I'm, I'm going to reach these people one way or another. I'm not going to let them stop me from getting through to all of their victims. So uh, one way to do that is to write a book. So that that's one reason. The second reason is because I wanted to, I wanted to have like a, a, a sort of foundational book on agorism and agorist thought that I could sort of build on from here on out. I could sort of get into like more advanced topics and stuff like that. So this is sort of like a foundational entry level book that'll sort of provide people with the basics they need to know when they uh, want to learn more about Agoras. And hopefully, you know, by the time I die, hopefully I'll have like a complete collection of, uh, you know, Agoras and a whole a complete Agoras anthology. Awesome. And by the way, everybody, that's available on Kindle right now too. So if you have, if you have Kindle, be sure to get that. I mean, I know a lot of people like myself. I don't know about Sal. I prefer the physical copy in my hand. It's always nice to have. I like the smell of a book, uh, the paper, the pages, all that. But if you're into the digital, uh, the Kindle's available uh, on Amazon, of course. Now, here's the next question. Who did you select and why did you select these uh, specific agorists? Oh, man. So it's not even necessarily 
necessarily not all the writers are necessarily divorced. It's a lot of them are just um, <clears throat> really a lot of them are just sort of with the one tie that binds all of them together is that they all reject political participation in favor of direct action. So um, we have guys like uh, Thoreau. I've got Gandhi in there, Martin Luther King Jr. talking about civil disobedience, Benjamin Tucker talking about passive resistance, um, all sorts of different people. Um, and I think one of the points that I try to get through in the book is that all of these anti-political tactics sort of culminate into uh, counter-economics and, and agorism in like the Konkinian sort of fashion. I divide the book into four sections. So there's the first section is what we believe. The second section is what we oppose. The third section is in theory and the fourth section is in practice. So um, obviously what we believe, it's sort of like sort of just meant to give people an idea of everything that anti-politics stands for. So I've got Carl Hess, Perb Island, the amazing economist from Oklahoma State University, Sam Konkin, uh, Gandhi is in there in the first section. And then in the second uh, section, what we oppose, it's all about like elections, taxes, political parties. So we've got selections from Emma Goldman on her thoughts on elections. Obviously, if you're familiar with Emma Goldman, firebrand leftist, was no fan of, of the electoral process, <laughs> to say the least. Um, uh, we've also got Frank Chodorov talking about voting, not a fan of voting, Frank. Um, one of the best, uh, the old right, nobody does it as good as Frank Chodorov. Um, obviously, Sam's in there talking about political parties. Um, and then in the third section, it's sort of like a theoretical take. So we've got Murray Bookchin, another leftist, uh, talking about um, why he why he he, he sort of uh, dismisses electoral politics and favors a sort of different approach. I don't know if anybody's familiar with Murray Bookchin, but really, really, yeah, okay. So he's a brilliant thinker, but um, he, he favored a, a more, he called it libertarian municipalism. Mm -hmm. And uh it's sort of like a localized form of direct democracy, but I'll let you read that in the book if, if you're interested in that. Um, and then uh, in, in the fourth book, we sort of go into like, um, I'm looking for examples in history in which counter-economics has been used against the state in a successful fashion. And of course, if you're familiar with, you know, agorism and basic economics, you know that like, there's a plethora of examples here. So, um, I've got some really amazing stuff in there. Uh, uh, Nicolae Ceausescu, the Romanian dictator who was executed on Christmas Day, 1989. Uh, there's some really great stuff in there. Jay, I've been telling you, uh, you know, DMs for six months to watch that movie, Chuck Norris versus Communism. And I actually, part of it was based on that movie. Part of it, I, I ended up reaching out to Irina Nister. Um, who was part of that film smuggling operation, had her on the Agora. We, we chatted about it. That conversation ended up being the basis for chapter 24. Um, I also go into like Gandhi and the salt satyagraha and how he used salt to sort of kick the British out of India. There's a story about um, Rosenstrasse, which is a sort of like this really amazing um, sort of story of these uh, German women who were Aryan German Christian women who were married to uh, Jewish men who uh, 
used civil disobedience against Hitler successfully. And it was, it's really, really, it's the only successful example of uh, resistance against the Nazi regime. Uh, and it's certainly the only example of Jews being released from detention and mass once they were captured. So it just goes to show the power of counter-economics. So that's just like a sort of basic rundown of, of the book. I think you got some real titans of liberty that are that are in that book. And I think it's awesome that those who perhaps we don't agree with economically, but at least on a revolutionary principle, uh, like you were saying, the, the things that are supposed to be binding us together, which is radical abstentionism, for example, I think it's wonderful that you included them because, I mean, we have a lot to be grateful, at least for those individuals who kind of led the charge when it, you know, they were hanging anarchists for things that they didn't do, you know, and I'm specifically citing the Haymarket riot, which uh, they were exonerated posthumously, of course, that means nothing to the dead, but at least to the, some of us, for sure. somewhat justice uh, kind of was carried out. So let me ask you this, do you, based on this, do you have any feelings of writing something in the future personally? So you have, you have this awesome collection, which is going to be great for those like myself and the rest of the gang to pass out to people to at least educate them. Because unlike the Twitter mob, who is like, you got to read, you know, 15,000 volumes of this guy, this guy, this guy, and then yeah. we can have a conversation. <laughs> you know, now we can hand them Sal's collection of essays and say, hey, why don't you read this? It's one book. I, you don't you don't have to even go to the goddamn library. Here it is. You can read everything right here. Um, do you think that this is going to you know push you to? write some other stuff, maybe stuff on your own, based on your own experiences, maybe with 3D printing, something like that? Uh, for sure. That's that's part of the reason that I want to get this out. Um, again, just to like sort of provide like a foundational base layer of just like, almost like a, a, a background of like where agorism is coming from. Like, you know, you mentioned like uh, some of these left libertarians and stuff like that. I really believed, and I think Sam believed that, um, Gorism is sort of like, again, the culmination of, of left libertarian thinkers or left anarchist thinkers. Like one thing that Bookchin and, and Proudhon, all these, all these old school pre-Rothbard, like going up to Benjamin Tucker, all these sort of left anarchists, the one thing they all had in common was that they rejected political participation in favor of direct action. So this book is really meant to be like, to just sort of bring the reader up to speed from Anarchy day one up until uh, Sam Konkin. And then from there, yeah, I definitely plan to release more books. I'm gonna start, I'm gonna get to work ASAP. Um, again, more advanced as we go on. And then hopefully, like I said, by the time I, I'm, I'm dead, I'll hopefully I'll have like some sort of body of work, some sort of anthology to uh, <laughs> a, a, about agorism and counter economics. Outstanding. So let me ask you this. It appears that it's getting easier for uh, the the average person, let's say the common man uh, who doesn't have to go through publishers and dance through hoops for editors and have their content muted or have their content you know, censored uh, by those who hold the purse over you and say, if you want to get paid, you have to do this. Did you find this process to be easy as far as not just assembling? I'm not talking about assembling the essays, but as far as getting the book from concept to paperback did you find this process is is easy do you see it only getting easier because the market is open to uh you know regular people uh dipping their toes into the in, into writing books well you know 
it's, it's, it's interesting because when I first, when I started this project, my, the idea that I had in my head was, all right, I'm going to, you know, in terms of distribution, what I'll do is I'll create a dedicated website and I'll, I'll have, you know, a box of 500 books in my office and I'll, as they come in, I'll put them in envelopes and hand them off to the UPS guy one by one. And I'll, I'll sort of do it in my, I'll be my own publisher, right? Um, and then I looked into it and there's a lot of print on demand options that make it um, a lot more like, it's just, a, it makes a lot more sense financially to do it with some of these companies. Uh, I hate working with some of these like big corporations because they're so like, you know how these corporations are. They're very crooked and corporations exist only by state charter. So I don't really like to work with them, but uh, at the end of the day, like, um, Amazon and Barnes and Noble's press, like they make it so stupid simple. It's like you upload the manuscript and your, your cover and your spine and your back cover and it, you know, you're basically done. So um, it's really easy. It's really cost efficient. Basically anybody can publish a book nowadays. Um, next time I really would like to not have to go through Amazon um, or Barnes and Nobles or anything like that. But we'll see how it goes. I'm not opposed to it. You know, as, as an agorist, I, you know, we understand basic economics and, you know, of course we always, we like to follow the dollar. So. Excellent. Uh, I wanted to ask you this, something that uh, I know that you and I have talked about uh, just between the two of us. So we had Jeremiah Harding on a couple of episodes ago and we discussed this also uh, the, the idea that people are really clout chasing in uh on the online you know on liberty twitter let's say and it's kind of discouraging to the point where i don't really try to participate on twitter anymore because all i see is people actually saying things just to generate likes and i'm not talking about memes memes are important i mean they there is a message there and i get that but as far as attacking their own in the community i find that to be abhorrent and one of the lowest things anybody can do do you why do you think that that agorism or agoras for example gets snubbed by people, let's say, that are platformists or people who believe in the propaganda deed and want to go fight the war and inevitably get, you know, turned into pink mist by Uncle Sugar. Why is this happening with people? Why are they having such a tough time understanding how effective counter economics is when it comes to subversion of the state? Well, you know, I don't think that people are having a hard time about it. I think that the majority of people do agree with us. I think that they do understand at least the people in the, in the liberty movement. I think that a lot of the pushback that you're talking about is coming from people who are frustrated because they don't agree with us and they know that they're losing the ideological or the intellectual battle. I posted um, a, a, a poll on Twitter, really informal, obviously not scientific, hmm. but like, you know, what strategy do you prefer, agorism, Mises Caucus, or paleo-libertarianism? And we obviously my followers are skewed, right? My followers are mostly agorists, but um, we cleaned up, you know, it was like very skewed one way, mm. which was very encouraging for me. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of it is like people in the Mises caucus who get upset at us. And a lot of people um, who are putting a lot of time and energy and money into these things. And then they see us criticizing them with these very like poignant intellectual remarks. And they, it, it hits home for them and they don't like it. Um, excuse me, but like you're talking about like cloud chasing and that's, that's huge, right? That's one of the biggest things that drives me nuts nowadays. Um, I really feel like, I don't want to name names, but I really oh. feel like people think like, oh man, we got 
Dave Smith on our show. Like we've made it. Like, thank God, like we're here. And it's like, I love these guys. I'm a big fan of them, but I'm much more interested in actually creating liberty than I am with like getting to know these celebritarians. I think it's great. I think I have no reason to believe they're not amazing, wonderful people. They do great work. But at the end of the day, I personally, as an agorist, I'm much more concerned with creating liberty than I am with creating libertarians or hobnobbing with celebritarians. I don't know if that came off as snobby or not, but no, not at all. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. My biggest problem that I've had lately, and this would have been a huge, uh, my, and maybe for the best, maybe I'll take more time and read more books instead of fooling around on Twitter, which is never a bad thing. But I see a, when I see other individuals go after people in their own community that really 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 pisses me off because there's plenty of content out there for you to criticize but for when you go after individuals who have dedicated themselves to you know spreading the word about genuine you know fully functioning uh libertarian ideas you know putting them into practice this is the practical application of an ideology that is entirely based on individualism and freedom and you go after them, I have a sincere problem with that. Like, I, I, I can't, it really bothers me. There's nothing I could do about it. I mean, what are you going to do? Yell at people on Twitter? I mean, right. you already, I mean, it's, it's so ineffective. It void. <laughs> right, exactly. I don't, I don't like, um, I don't know. I'm not like necessarily opposed to having disagreements or, you know, philosophical, theoretical discussions. We can disagree and all that stuff. But to me, what gets me is like the personal attacks. Like, dude, I don't know if you guys saw when Nick Sarwak went after Pete for like getting a divorce. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, like, that's like, that's just such a low blow. I'm like, Nick, you shouldn't leave the, the party. You're great for politics. You should, you should stay there. <laughs> you <laughs> you know? fucking scumbag. Really, really like, come yeah, on. That's and, you know, low. That's low. And Pete, like, Pete is like loved by every faction of the libertarian community, like the forest, like LPMC, paleo libertarian. Who doesn't love Pete Canones? So like to attack the guy just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And like the weird thing about that is, is like, who cares if he got a divorce? Like, that's what people do nowadays. Like, it's not like they kind of more treat it as, oh, well, like if it doesn't work out, we'll just get divorced. You know, it's like it doesn't have the, you know, negative, no, you know, yeah. Uh, I, I forget what exactly he said, but it was something really stupid. It was yeah. something like totally out of line and just really stupid and just, you know, completely unbecoming. At the end of the day, it's like, you know, there's so we there's enough politicians out there for us to talk shit about that we don't have to like hate on exactly. each other. So what is, what was it exactly that caused that exchange? Or well, Nick and Nick and Pete have never seen eye to eye. They've always been like butting heads. Okay. But I, I forget what exactly it was, but I remember like Nick made some comment about like Pete's divorce and it was just like, you know. It's like, hey, I know we've been going back and forth for a while, but like even that, it's a little over the line. Yeah, it's just, it's silly. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, and like Pete's criticisms of Nick were always, and up until then, as far as I know, were always like, you know, the LP, like, you know, you're just sort of, you know, you're just basically Democrats. They were all, you know, substantive criticisms. And then, then Nick just shoots them with like these ad hom ridiculous attacks. And it's like, Which, if, again, go ahead. I was going to say, if they weren't, if like Pete's criticisms weren't even at him specifically, if it was the party as a whole, and it's like, hey, like, don't take this personally, but here's a whole sweeping thing that I'm seeing. And right, then it's like, right. if he immediately jumps back on that, I wonder if that's because 
the reason the party is like that is because there's individuals that are basically just living examples of that. Right. And that's like, that's sort of the argument that I make. And then the, you know, the, the Mises caucus crowd comes back and says, well, we're going to expel these people from the party and we're going to take over. And I'm like, some, you know, it's like, where does that, where does that from the, the, the new boss is the same as the old boss? The who? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Nope. It's, 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 it's just, you know, we won't so get fooled today, again. Like, yesterday it's Nick Starwalk and tomorrow it'll be that Michael Heiss guy. You know what I mean? Like someone's got to take yeah. your $25. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's great. Take the four dollars. They're all like, "What do we want to get rid of? The state? How are we gonna do it with the state?" Yeah, (laughs) let's get them. (laughs) It's true, man. It is true. I uh, and it's a shame because there's a lot. I think there's probably some really talented individuals that are unfortunately, at least in my opinion, uh, throwing their skills. Uh, basically into a, a meat grinder that's going to have a negative result for them. I don't know. Like Pete, you know, if you bring up Pete and he's the one who said it, but like if you if you get 3% of the vote and view that as a success, that's that's amazing. Like really, like that is not, there's not a modicum of success with saying, oh, you are 3% of the vote. It's like, yeah, that means that, like remember, what was it they were saying? We have to, it's the messaging, you know, remember? No, maybe it's you, you know, maybe yeah, it's, right your right. shitty party right you know well, and that's like if, oh your goal is three percent it's like you were never going to win with three percent you're just getting right. to you're getting your foot almost to the door like not even right. in really but it's like i think they're just so far on the back foot where it's like they take that like yeah it's good like you shouldn't be trying to make like these big sweeping goals and changes if you don't have like a foundation of smaller stuff to back it up but it's like, if you never plan past that either, it's like, if you're going to be satisfied with 3%, it's like, okay, you're still not really, there's, you're mm-hmm. not even close to winning. You've made it to the very start and now you have no follow through. Mm-hmm. So like Murray Rothbard and Roderick Long, um, who's Roderick is an agorist philosopher. Murray wasn't an agorist, but they both identified two two main objections to political participation, right? So there's the uh, moral objection, and then there's the pragmatic objection. In my opinion, the way I see it, if something's immoral, then it doesn't matter if it's pragmatic. So if we can establish a moral claim against political participation, then we don't have to, go ahead. So pragmatic, pragmatism, that's like if the end's justifying the means, basically. Efficiency, right, right, oh, okay. right, right. So like the one one objection is that political participation is immoral, and the other is that it's inefficient. So the, in terms of the immorality of it, basically I would sum up that argument by saying this, because I don't know if you guys saw Dave Smith was on that um, Tower Gang podcast last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Jose Galison, who's a great agorist, um, and it was a great show, but Dave kept asking, like, well, what's the agorist objection? What's the agorist objection? And, like, nobody hit him with it, and I'm sitting there screaming at the computer, right? Like, <laughs> so, like, the first one, the moral claim is that no one has the right to rule over their neighbors, regardless of how benevolent they promise you that that rule is going to be, right? There's no such thing as a legitimate office no one can stand for office legitimately if there are no legitimate offices to stand for. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just political participation is immoral, right? You, uh, by participating, you legitimize them. You necessarily uh, are seeking political authority over another person. So it's immoral. Uh, 
Now, if you don't accept that, there's always the pragmatic case, which we're going, we're talking about 3%, right? The yeah. best any libertarian candidate ever did was Gary Johnson in 2016. He got 3% of the, of the vote. And that was against uh, two candidates who were extremely unpopular with the public at the time. So, I mean, you know, if that's the, that's the best they can do, then really what's the point? And if you ask them, they'll say, well, it's about spreading the message. It's about, it's an educational thing, right? They try to masquerade the party as an educational institution and not a political institution, which is mm -hmm. bullshit, forgive my French. But I've got a chapter in the book from Murray Rothbard. There's this old article that I found that he wrote that the Mises Caucus people are unaware of because um, Rothbard just completely obliterates the idea of using a minor party as an educational platform. He says, you're going to be branded a bunch of kooks. It's not going to work. You're only going to retard the movement. So I, I don't think that, that, that it's possible to educate people about liberty through a political party. Um, because the two are literally diametrically opposed. Yeah, exactly. It's like, again, like the example that I give in the book is it's sort of like, you know, trying to evangelize cardiovascular health from the inside of like a McDonald's, right? <laughs> it's like, it doesn't make any sense. And the example that I've worn out on Twitter, which people get, the Mises Caucus yells at me because I've used it so much, but it's like, it's like advocating for chastity from a whorehouse. Right? It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense, right? So, you know, any message that you send from a political platform must necessarily be received through a lens of political authority. So, well, uh, they can continue to try to get 3% and continue to absolutely make no impact whatsoever. I, uh, I remember this was when I was finishing my undergraduate degree. I had to go to a, a political seminar hosted by my alma mater, and they brought in, I, I, I mean, they're notable, but I don't remember who the fuck they were. My notebooks are somewhere in this godforsaken studio. I don't know where they are. <laughs> uh, but um, I remember asking because there was an individual, a PhD that wrote, about uh, third parties and he mentioned the green party and of course the lp and my question was like you know how how can the libertarian party this is a 2017 i asked how can the libertarian party feel and i'm a former member i'm a i mean i mean we're nobody's born perfect i unfortunately was a statist for a while and the worst Damn. kind of statist you know went to public school i mean what yeah what can you do um and i asked i said how can the libertarian party really measure getting a dog catcher voted in on a local ticket as a massive success like i understand the ground and he looked at me and he goes he says well that's what they believe and they're they're entirely wrong because nobody cares about who the dog catcher is unless it's right. a dog you know what i mean so i i, I wish them all the best kind of you know as far as sanity i don't wish any ill will on them other than well, for them to wake up well that, that's 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 another thing is like they they if you ask them they'll say well we're not seeking uh, office. We don't actually want to win. Right? So what's the point? Right, exactly. Well, well, no, it's, it's, it goes even further than that, right? They said, we don't want to win. We're not doing this to, to attain political power. We just want to burn a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And waste resources. So it's like, it's like, okay, so you're, you're running candidates for election. You are dedicating time, energy, resources, man hours to those campaigns. You're encouraging people to support those campaigns you are celebrating even the smallest of electoral victories, even as Jay says for dog catcher. And then you're trying to tell us that you don't want to win elections. Like are, was I born yesterday? Like, 
<laughs> we, we know how this game of politics goes, right? It's all bullshit until they have power and then they just, you know, use it to like squeeze the life out of you. Well said. Uh, does anybody have any other questions regarding Sal's uh, new book before we move to everybody's favorite part of the episode that's been a recent edition? I don't have any questions, but I do just want to say, um, you know, I think it's really cool that you took the time to read through all of those articles and put it together. And I'm very excited to uh, read the book and congratulations. Thank you. It's, um, you know, I'm a super nerd. That's the truth is Jay knows this. I'm like the yeah. nerdiest person that you guys know. So it's like, I, I enjoy reading this like obscure social philosophy and like piecing it together in a way that sort of creates this narrative. So I had a great time uh, putting it together and writing like the introductory pieces. And I'm, I'm definitely going to be uh, doing some more. So cool. Yeah. I can't wait to read it. Like, I mean, I, I, I'll probably, I'll probably buy it anyway. Just so I could have it, you know, next day, because some poor fucking Amazon worker is gonna get break their back getting my book to me. But <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm sorry for your troubles, but it happens no, more than you think. Oh, I'm sure yeah. it does. I'm sure it does, and I'm sorry for that. I, I, oh, I, yeah. I, yeah, but I need my book. I mean, sorry. <laughs> uh, Very pragmatic of you. Right. Thank you. By the way, it's it is. Um, if you have anybody out there has Kindle Unlimited, it is free. If you have with a Kindle Unlimited subscription, so there is that. I did have that, and then I got rid of it because there wasn't anything cool on there. Now well, now is. there is. Until now. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, okay, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, normally we don't do this with the guests. We've talked about this before, but like I said, Sal's here. It's the Olive Garden. We're family. Uh, I love Sal. So, guess what time it is? It's quiz time. Some salad and breadsticks. Oh, shit. No, wrong, 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 wrong. Yeah, no, not not right now. After after the show. After the show. I was getting excited. <laughs> so today's quiz is brought to you by nobody but uh, myself. So I put this together. I deliberately chose things that I could get Angel tripped up because she gets a little Dang cocky it. over there. I do not. And uh, you most certainly. That she does. Her, you need to check her. Those are false. Check your privilege as the showrunner, okay? Her, her, her ego lately has been up here. Oh, man. Astronomical. Right, Astronomical. Right. Like, uh, it, it just needs to come down just yeah. a little bit. So I'm just checking it. Just a slight check. So Just just back down to nominal level. <laughs> it's manageable level. It's like, it's like getting chemo for the cancer. You're going to die anyway, but we're just trying to slow down the progression. We're trying to localize the death to only cancer. Right. <laughs> So uh, this is a collection of questions that I have assembled across several different topics. People you've heard of, most likely some that you haven't, Angel. And uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. Oh, video. I'm sure you have. I don't want to hear any excuses. <laughs> and we will be making a tally. And I have to have Dag back on because I didn't record the results. So we're going to have to put him back on because whoever has the most wins out of the year, including any guests that we have on, you get a prize. What it is, I can't tell you because I don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to figure it out. Cool. But question number one on quiz. Wait, do, I need, do I need like a buzzer or something? Do no, I no, no. Everybody, everybody gets to answer it. And Multiple then Pally, who's right. I'll get our answer. Yes. Okay. And Paul B, this is your cue to start writing stuff down in the notebook. He got a D minus. He actually sent me a picture. <laughs> of his results uh paul i'm expecting you to do better because you knew this was coming so all right buddy <laughs> how do you know what to study for if you don't know what the sample is going to be i send paul books oh okay, okay i sent i send him books to his house so he is well read or he should be he should be number oh, one a fuck ton of books. number one quote 
If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Was it A, Mark Twain, B, Kurt Vonnegut, C, Ray Bradbury, or D, Ernest Hemingway? Angel. B. Angel says B, Kurt Vonnegut. Okay. We're going to move to Sal. Sal, you're our guest. Let us know what you think it is. I'm going to go with A. Twain. You're going to go with Mark Twain. Okay. Sal has Mark Twain. Christopher? I'm going to go with Vonnegut. You're going to go with Kurt Vonnegut. All right. Brian, round it out. Yeah, I'm also going to go with Vonnegut. You are also going to go with Vonnegut. Would uh, you believe that the only person who got this right is our guest, Sal Mayweather? Uh, yes, it was Mark Twain, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Twain is the right answer. All right. Moving on to question number two. Never think that war, no matter how necessary nor how justified, is not a crime. Was it A, F. Scott Fitzgerald, the great Gatsby author? B, Harper Lee? C, Cormac McCarthy, one of my favorite authors? Or D, Ernest Hemingway? Angel? Mm, I'm going to go A. Angel's going to go with F. Scott Fitzgerald, okay? Sal? I'm going to go on a limb here, and I'm going to say D. Sal's going to go with Ernest Hemingway, okay? Christopher? B. You're going with Hemingway yeah, also. With Hemingway also. Okay. Christopher. And, and, not, and I swear not just because Sal said Hemingway. <laughs> I, I, you know what? Following Sal is not a bad idea. I, I, I know could be wrong on this one. <laughs> All right, Brian? Uh, Cormac McCarthy. You're going with Mr. McCarthy. That was confident. Okay. Would you believe that Sal and Chris both got it right? It is Ernest Hemingway. Okay. So we have big fat zeros going into the third question for the boss and Brian, the youngest member of the group. Why is that? Is this like a lab or is that for correlation later? Or what's that? It's just for absolute ridicule. No, I'm just it's, kidding, it's, buddy. It's, it's, joke. it's for taunting purposes. That's why he's keeping time. Yeah, Chris didn't step up to, to say shit, so I had to. So now I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It, it, I'm sorry. It had to be done for the record. Number three, quote, if religion were true, its followers would not try to bludgeon their young into an artificial conformity, but it would merely insist on their unbending quest for truth, irrespective of artificial backgrounds or practical consequences. Was it A, Charles Dickens, B, C.S. Lewis, C, Harper Lee, or D, H.P. Lovecraft? Angel? I'm going to say C. Angel's going to say C, Harper Lee. Sal. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, what one was F. Scott Fitzgerald? Was he in there? Which one no, was that? No, no, no. Uh, F. Scott was in the last question. This was okay. uh, Charles Dickens, C.S. Lewis, Harper Lee, or H.P. Lovecraft. Dude, I am not an expert in atheism. I'm going to go with Harper Lee. Sal's going to go with Harper Lee. Christopher. I'm going to go with C.S. Lewis. You're going to go with C.S. Lewis. And Brian, rounding out the question. Was C.S. Wasn't C.S. Lewis like a Christian guy? Or like no comment. No comment. I'm going to say H.P. Lovecraft. You're going to say it's H.P. Lovecraft. Would you believe that Brian is the only one that got that one right. It was H.P. Lovecraft. I almost, I 
almost said H.P. Lovecraft, but then I was like, nah, he was too hardcore into Cthulhu. There's no way. (laughs) He was, man. Was that? Yeah, yeah, that was Lovecraft. For like a split second, I confused Lovecraft and H.R. Geiger. (laughs) Sorry. Dude, wasn't the... Aliens and the other one's Cthulhu. Yeah, and then Lovecraft, wasn't he the one who wrote The Hounds of Tindalos? He did, yes. Yeah, that was a really great story. Very, very interesting story. Yeah, it's a good one. If you have have time, check it out. Uh, Number four, it is not that the Irish are cynical. It's rather that they have a wonderful lack of respect for everything and everybody. Was it A, James Joyce, B, Nathaniel Hawthorne, who wrote The uh, the Crucible? Okay, if anybody's, we, we were forced to read that in school, naturally, because it's puritanical. I wasn't. <laughs> okay, good. C, uh, Brendan Behan, the famous uh, uh, writer and poet, and D, Kurt Vonnegut. Angel, your guess, please. Mm. You are the only one who has a big fat zero. I'm going to say A. You're going to say A, James Joyce. All right, Sal Mayweather, who do you think it is? I am also going to say A. Okay, we have another vote for James Joyce. Christopher? I'm going to go with Vonnegut. You're going to go with Kurt? All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. And Brian, uh, rounding it out. And don't give out the background of one of the authors just because you know who they I didn't, are. I didn't know. I get. I was asking. <laughs> um. So what? Who are the other two other than Joyce and Vonnegut? Uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne and Brendan Behan. Oh, man, I don't know who like two of these people are. Um, Nathaniel Hawthorne. Let's. Nathaniel Hawthorne, huh? Oh wait. <laughs> no, just keep keep going. I'm thinking about The Departed now, though, and I'm guessing okay. I'm probably wrong. But yes. continue. <laughs> yes, man, there's no take backs. Okay. Oh, I know. Yeah, there's I've no committed. Free, there's no free shit on this show. No, there is. I've given out T-shirts to the motherfucker. Um, uh, would you believe that all of you unfortunately did not get that the answer was Brendan Behan? Uh, I don't know who that is. That's okay, that's all right. Don't worry about it. I told Angel I was the guy with the most unassuming name. <laughs> as long as we all got it wrong, no one, yeah. no one actually is, is worse off. Solidarity, yeah, right, right. solidarity. Yay, okay. hey, we yeah. suck again. <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter, kid? You didn't know any fucking Shakespeare. God, you, you've watched that movie way too much, and I understand why. It's very good. Very good. For all the listeners out there, the reason why we're all getting it wrong, this is really just uh, an expose on public schooling and all the problems <laughs> yeah. wrong yeah. with yeah. Right, right. A shining example. Yeah. yeah. Thanks I for have nothing. To, I, I have a high school diploma, and I don't know. Fuck yeah, all. Right. <laughs> I've got a college degree. I've got, like, two rights, so don't feel bad. Oh, God. Have, That's good. Diploma I and I fucking yeah. ride a fucking fork truck, so don't worry about it. Those are fun. Don't worry. Yeah, oh. forklift certified. Yeah, also yeah. I'm forklift. I'm, I'm, I'm forklift certified. Yes, that shows your uh, that shows your working class proletariat. You know, at all of the jobs that I performed in my life, I never once learned how to like do like a forklift or reach truck, whatever you want to call it. Never learned it. That's smart. Yeah. It's smart. <laughs> it's really fun. I don't know. Hydraulics are cool. Yeah, it's fun until like, you know, Christopher at the place we used to work, we had to put these huge TV monitors like 40 feet in the air. Oh, uh, shit. And we had then they were the paddle controls where you had to really and Paul B knows what we're talking about because he worked with us. And you had these really tight, uh, um, really, really narrow uh, lanes to drop the shit off. And then you're also trying to fight the last asshole who put something away and took up too much of the fucking rack space. Like, I remember that I'm having PTSD right now. Just thinking yeah. about that goddamn Dude, warehouse. I'd have dreams about being at FedEx. 
grateful that I wasn't working at FedEx oh. because that's how much time I was on a forklift. I would have dreams about being on a forklift. It's a nightmare. Speaking of nightmares, this quiz rolls on. Uh, <laughs> number five. Number five. The truth will set you free, but first it will make you miserable. Was it A, Elvis Presley, the king? B, Penn Jillette? You guys know who Penn Jillette is if you know who Penn and Teller is, okay? Mm-hmm. He's the guy who lost a lot of weight. He's the taller one. Uh, C, James A. Garfield, or D, the Nobel Peace Prize winning Barack Hussein Obama. Angel. I'm going to say B. Angel's going to say B, Penn Jillette. Okay. Sal Mayweather, what do you have? As much as I am a fan of assassinated presidents, I'm also going to go with B. You're also going to go with B, Penn Jillette. Okay. Christopher, what do you have? B. Also B. Pendulette is very popular. Brian? Yeah, Pendulette. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm astounded. This is two zeros in a row. Uh, I don't know what to do here. Uh, uh, I've this... gotten zero right the whole quiz. Uh, yeah, you've gotten nothing right the whole quiz. That's actually... I've only I've only got one and I've typically fared better, but we're this... like talking about like authors and shit. Like when we're talking about like history and other shit like that aside from like literary works i do much better but <laughs> so disclaimer. right now we've just gone throw that disclaimer out questions. there i'm only <laughs> stupid when it comes to fucking authors <laughs> so who was it uh the answer is the assassinated president james a garfield that was the one who said it sure. um uh, so what, far, like the first four weeks of his of his of his office. When did he say this? Uh, I don't know. Probably when he was in grammar school. I don't he know who knows. One of the few politicians who actually got what was coming to him. <laughs> yeah, agreed. <laughs> Absolutely agreed. Uh, so far, through five questions, Sal leads the pack with two. Brian and Chris are tied at one, and Angel is absolutely at the back Who's of the saying? bus with a zero. We're going to no. change that coming up here really quick. Here they're in cahoots. <laughs> number six inside every cynical person there is a disappointed idealist was it a lenny bruce b jimmy carter the very failed president of the united states c everybody's favorite captain carl marx or d george carlin angel tell us what you think Ooh, i'm i'm pressed between a and d I'm going to say D. You're going to say D for George Carlin, huh? The famous American comedian who was actually trying to educate people while he was telling jokes, and he was right all along. I don't think he was joking. People just laughed. I agree. (laughs) I agree with that statement. Sal, what do you have to say? What do you think? I'm going to go with the inflation king, Jimmy Carter. You're going to go with James Carter, the peanut farmer. Okay. Christopher, what do you say? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Carlin. You're going to go with George Carlin. Okay. And finally, Brian. George Carlin. Brian also selects George Carlin. Would you believe that Angel is on the board, ladies and gentlemen? She got one. It is George Carlin who said that. All right. Moving on. She's still in the rear, though. She's she's two right answers away from taking this whole fucking thing over and making it look bad. So you watch your ass. Uh, number seven. Number seven. It is it is inaccurate to say that I hate everything. I am strongly in favor of common sense, common honesty and common decency. This makes me forever ineligible for public office. Was it a Benjamin Franklin, the one who invented lightning with a kite and a key? Um, B. H.L. Mencken. C, Jim Morrison, the singer for The Doors, or D, Patrick Buchanan? 
This should be easy for some of you. Angel. I'm going to say B. Angel's going to say B for the famous uh, H.L. Mencken. Okay. So, Sal Mayweather, what do you think? Also H.L. Mencken. Also H.L. Mencken. Man, this is uh, this is popular. Okay. Christopher. Same H.L. Mencken. Christopher also votes for H.L. Mencken. Okay. This could either be great or not so good. Brian. Same Mencken. Brian also says H.L. Mencken. Would you believe that you were all correct? It was H.L. Mencken. And right now we have a three-way tie for first place, not including Angel. Okay, number eight. That's okay. She's going to fire me anyways. This is my last day on the podcast, so whatever. I don't care. Uh, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have a podcast without you. She's not going to fire you. Yeah, oh, yeah you, you have more rights as a worker than you've ever had before. Right? <laughs> number eight. Number eight. Quote, I think that gay marriage is something that should be between a man and a woman. <laughs> For those of you that didn't understand that, I said it too fast in the audience. Quote. I think that gay marriage is something that should be between a man and a woman. That's not a misquote. This is easy. Yes. Was it A, Joel Olstein, B, George W. Bush, C, Arnold Schwarzenegger, or D, Mrs. Hillary Rodham Clinton, who did support the Defense of Marriage Act that her fucking rapist husband uh, uh, put through? Anyway, that's a separate issue here. Side issue, as uh, as Alex Jones would say, side issue. Uh, Angel, what do you think it is? I want to say B, but I also want to say Hillary, but I'm just going to go with B. Angel goes with B, which is George W. Bush, the war criminal. Okay. That's a fair guess. Sal, who do you think it is? I'm going to go with Hillary. Sal's going to go with Hillary. Okay. Christopher, who do you think it is? <laughs> Repeat the choices to me one more time, please. A, Joel Olstein. B, George W. Bush. C, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Or D, Hillary, remove your Rodham Clinton. That's a tough one. It's a tough one. I'll go with Hillary as well. You will go with Hillary as well. And Brian, rounding it out. I'm going to say Hillary. You're going to say Hillary. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, for the third time in this quiz, we have a zero. Uh, <laughs> that was Arnold Schwarzenegger, the former governor uh, of communist uh, uh, California. Some question oh, about that one. Was that more of like, in context, it was a misquote? Or was that someone being very clear that it's like, no, it should only be between a man and a woman? No, that was a the stupid irony. man saying okay. something very stupid. Because I figured it could have gone either way, and I really didn't know. Basically. He's a moron. He's an idiot. He's a complete and total buffoon. He doesn't have to perfect be that for the state looking. of California. I mean, yeah. enough said. Absolutely perfect. Enough said. <laughs> Number nine, quote, politics gives guys so much power that they tend to behave badly around women. And I hope I never get into that. <laughs> was it A? No, that's part of the quote. I'm not saying that. That was part of the quote. I understand. <laughs> was it A, William Jefferson Clinton? B, Jeffrey Epstein, who is, you know, who didn't kill himself? C, Bill Cosby? Or D, Ted Bundy? This is a tough one. Oh, not going to lie here. You got some stellar all-star I'm gonna choices. Say D. You're going to say D for Ted Bundy. Okay. So we have we have Bill Clinton. Yes. Can you re- 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 repeat those four for me, please? Sure, sure. William Jefferson Clinton, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, Bill Cosby, the Jello Man, or D. Ted Bundy, uh, who is hmm. known to really enjoy brunettes. 
I would imagine that considering that the two most classy individuals there are Bundy and Cosby, that I'm going to have to go with, uh, I want to go with Cosby. You're going to go with Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. All right. Uh, let's see here. Christopher, who do you think it is? Ted Bundy. Christopher thinks it is Ted Bundy and Brian rounding out the order. I also think it's Cosby. You also think it's Cosby. Ladies and gentlemen. Notice how like, notice how Ted Bundy and Bill Cosby, we all think that they have higher character than. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's, uh, that's saying something, but for the first time on the history of quiz time on this show, we have four zeros in one session so far. Nobody got that right. It was William Jefferson Clinton. Really? Really said that? Yes, he did. Uh, respect of women. Wow. Yes, he. You know, he respects the sanctity of marriage, the Defense of Marriage Act, and he doesn't want to ever uh, behave badly around women raping Jennifer Flowers and forty some other women while doing lines of blow. Hey, that be careful! Came... You're going to end up with two I, bullet I, holes in the back of your head okay? and committing suicide. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Depressed, I, I respect women so much <laughs> that I want to turn their vaginas into sad. a humidor for cigars. Oh Jesus! Yeah, no, no. Believe me, I'll, I'm a left-handed shot, and they'd find the pistol in my right hand with two shots <laughs> to the dome. It's it's amazing. Uh, what was his name? Vince Foster. Never forget. Uh, Vince Foster. Yeah, look him up if you haven't heard of it. Paul, look that shit up. You're going to be surprised. Tim Dillon uh, did a pretty good episode where he talked about that, too. A lot of the Clinton victims, it would be like two shots to the back of the head with birdshot. But, he, you know, he was he was very <laughs> depressed. <laughs> he was feeling very sad and beclemped uh, that day. He got two shots <laughs> off in the head. <laughs> yeah before he before he timed out man he just he they, had enough blood they've really said shit like this before you know oh yeah so. they, they don't care no. they know yeah. they're gonna like what's what are we gonna do Not at all. like you know like yeah what are you gonna there, do yeah there was right. just there was just one reporter who like he had a baby he was like booked cruise tickets but he was yeah. very depressed very yeah. very depressed that was recently that yeah. was recently yeah, yeah that was the the secrets on the tarmac book right that guy yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. best-selling author just yeah. got married his wife was pregnant they had you know the bigger they are the harder they get depressed and fall you know yeah, like right very depressed very very depressed it's I, also I sh- it's the people that have the most going for them that you know <laughs> yeah that's time just, to check they out just decide to give up on all of it i'm the punch the time card and get the fuck out of dodge i mean <laughs> I mean, I might end up dead on my way to work tomorrow, but that could be a result of traveling on some of the expressways. Hey, we don't know. The alternative. Yeah, he died in a car crash with two bullets to the head. Amazing. Tremendous. No, of course not. Uh, number 10, quote, my own view is that this planet is used as a penal colony, <laughs> lunatic asylum and dumping ground by a superior civilization to get rid of the undesirable and unfit. I can't prove it. But you can't disprove it either. <laughs> Was it A, Richard Dawkins, B, Henry David Thoreau, C, Walt Whitman, or D, Christopher Hitchens? Angel. Mm, I'm going to say D. You're going to say D, Christopher Hitchens, the famous uh, author who wrote a book called God is Not Good. It's been recommended on my podcast, this podcast, our podcast, whatever. You know how it is. Angel's podcast. Excuse me. I, <laughs> forgive me. Uh, Sal, who do you think it is? I'm also going to say Hitchens. You're also going to say Hitchens. Hitch gets another vote here. All right. Another vote of confidence. And Christopher, who do you think it is? I'm also going to go with Christopher Hitchens. All right. Chris goes with Chris. Excellent. Oh, see what I did there. Uh, Brian. (laughs) 
So fucking witty. So, Thank you. Thank you very little. Even, before you even gave the options, I had my heart made up that it was Kurt Vonnegut, and then he wasn't even one of the people. Oh, so, sorry. That sounds like something he'd say. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah, so we does. got Chris Hitchens, we got Henry David Thoreau, and who are the other two again? Walt Whitman and Richard oh, Dawkins. Oh, man, this is hard. What did Walt Whitman do? He was he was an author, but what did he what did he write? I can't I can't tell you. Oh, dude! Oh, you! God damn it! This is not a lifeline. You can't just dial me up. And be like, Jay, what did this fucking author do here? Come on! Hey, it's worth the it's worth the shot, you know. Uh, I don't know. I I'm gonna go with Thoreau. You're gonna, gonna go Thoreau. with Thoreau. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the famous, infamous, most wonderful atheist. Christopher Hitchens, whom I love Shit. and adore. That concludes this week's quiz time. I hope it hurt I you as much that, as it does hurt that me. Officially put Brian as the caboose. Uh no. Angel's still yeah. riding the caboose with Brian. They we have What's a tie for last place. All right. Hey, and I just watched Snowpiercer. I'm feeling good. All right. <laughs> Excellent. And we have a tie for first place between the great and powerful Sal Mayweather and Chris G. Are a tied for first. Uh, we have a tie, ladies and gentlemen. You Thank you very much uh, for participating. I hope it was as terrible for you as it was for me. No, just kidding. I really enjoyed myself. I like doing these because I like to see the wheels turn, especially with the boss over there, because, you know, she uh, she gets me on a regular basis. Uh, there's constant harassment in the workplace, all sorts of terrible <laughs> sure. things. I'm not allowed to unionize. No, nope. she's also I'm head not... of HR. Like... Yep. Yeah, I can't take my complaints to anywhere. I mean, That's it's just, true. um, you know, I put on uh, underneath this smiling face. I'm really crying. <laughs> and I've been yeah, you're really starting to worry me. Like, I've been uh, I've been assaulted sexually by the coffee maker several times. Workplace um, abuse. I, I'm telling you, this is this is a rough place to work, and I cho I chose this life, and uh, I have nobody but to blame. I have nobody but to blame myself. It's so sad. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, that's quiz time for this week. Uh, if you have any ideas, please send them to Wa or the rest of us. But I will be heading up the quiz time. I will be tricking Angel again. Mm -hmm. This is a guarantee that it's going to happen. But um, again, whoever turns out the who has the best uh, uh, record, it's kind of like, you know, a long, a long marathon. We have a lot of quizzes to go until the end of the year. And we're going to see and there will be a special prize, which will be named later because I don't know what it is. So um, with that in mind, before we close out, I want to remind everybody, please support this man, our friend. And somebody who I owe personally for my journey to be an agorist, to become an agorist, to embrace it, uh, is Sal Mayweather. His book that he has assembled is Anti-Politics. You can find it on Amazon right now, paperback prime, $17.84. Or like he said earlier, Kindle Unlimited is $0 or $9.99 to buy if you're into the digital copy. Um, are they being sold on your website as well, Sal? Not yet. Um, I am going to, if you do want, like, if you want to pay with crypto, you can shoot me a PM just uh, like I was telling you before we went on, don't tell Bezos. <laughs> and uh, we'll, Not a we'll, word. we'll arrange something. Outstanding. Uh, do you have he, any? He might be too busy riding space dicks. Space? Yeah. Yeah. Who thought of that? Into space, like, on a with dick. a penis. <laughs> on a inside the dick he went in yeah. the dick whoever went yeah. whoever wrote austin powers like, i missed something yeah. i don't know i have he no he flew in a penis shaped rocket into yeah, space they, yeah like the, yeah. the rocket he didn't go sure. into space though like it was the threshold like he spent 5.5 billion dollars didn't even actually go into space 
It was only for 11 minutes. He, he and he's he found a way. 11 but, minutes with a dick is pretty good but time. Like you could take a pile of 5.5 billion dollars in cash and light it on fire and it wouldn't burn completely in 11 minutes. Yeah. Like you found a more efficient way to burn money than literally burning money. Uh, that's good. All right. Yeah, fair enough. Well, just it, the elite is it Elysium? Is that the movie where they uh, all the uh, yeah. with yeah. Matt Damon? Good. Yeah. The faster we can get him out of here. But but look what happened. Look what happened when they all started leaving. They're, they got blue checks on Twitter telling people you can eat bugs. Like that's True. that's concerning. You got Billy Gates snatching Slightly. up farmland left and right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the fuck he's got his hands in, but like. Ugh. Yeah, it's not I'm good. Sure they're dirty. It's dirty not dirty. good. Oh, yeah. Like, because what? Cor- corporations are only in existence due to the charity of the state. Or what, what did you say? You literally said it this episode. State charter. The charter. charter. State, yeah. And it's like, uh, yeah, that's a difference between. I get that a lot. And, but people, you know, before we close out, let me make that point because Please. I get this all the time. Corporations are bad, right? They, they only exist because of the state. The Agora, the friendly NAP alternative, uh, is, is, is the Agorist alternative is the joint stock company, right? So if you're thinking about starting a corporation, don't start a joint stock company. It's based on non aggression. So a question more along the lines with that that I was kind of thinking of earlier is, do you honestly think that there is like a maximum size for a business before it starts to become predatory or like a corporation? And it's like only through the Agora would it be no place can get too big because there's no sanctions keeping it in place. So it's like just by truly having an unregulated market where people vote with their dollar, basically, you would it would ensure the equal allocation of resources or at least more so than it is right now where they have monopolies running everything well there is there are monopolies in a free society but they are benevolent right because once those monopolies start to sort of exploit people and try to you know uh, undermine the market try to get the best of you take advantage of you as soon as they do that right let's say that they raise their prices to an unfair level some other entrepreneur is going to be enticed to enter yeah. the market, right? Because they can, they can sort of undercut them. And at that point, the new entrepreneur starts to leach market share from the monopolist. And right. it's in this way that the market sort of maintains the equilibrium. Only when the state comes in and puts a gun to our heads and yeah. says you have to respect the monopoly, then, then it, it becomes uh, sort of predatory and, and, and malevolent. So do you think that... Uh... You said that it would be a natural benevolent monopoly. Do you think that the areas right now where we're seeing basically the worst kind of monopolies, like on the opposite end, like healthcare or insurance, or those are like the two biggest ones that I can think of. Like, it seems ironic that it's like under the state, those are the two worst when it's like without the state, they would probably be the two best. Consider like policing or military. Yeah. yeah. That's like, those are the enforcement arms of the cartel that we live under. Yeah, yeah. And I was just I was just talking about this with somebody uh, before they were like, the one thing that needs to be run by the state is the police. And I'm like, the most important part. <laughs> exactly. Like if you understand the, the, the deleterious effects of socializing these industries, then why would you apply that philosophy to the most important of industries? Right. So why would you be a libertarian and want to use statism? <laughs> right, right. Exactly. It's like you understand how competition makes a market more efficient and more cost more cost friendly. Why wouldn't you apply that to the most important of markets like security? Right. Well, do you think the biggest, oh, sorry. Well, no, I'm just going to say like, think about like all the terrible shit that the military does and that the police do. Who the hell would contract with a private security firm 
known for killing children or being trigger happy or the government <laughs> they use exactly. black water like only with a monopoly dogs. right yeah exactly <clears throat> oh man yeah that's uh I, you know man like all bullshit aside you know how anybody can like like I have more respect, I think, for a, a, a Marxist than I do a, a minarchist, because a minarchist literally just said what you said, like, hey, listen, we do need a government, but we're going to make sure it only has control of the courts, the military right. and the police. Oh, oh, fuck. The, wow. The great. best way to take everything else from you. The yeah, fastest. Yeah. Like, what a great idea. I mean, right. what could go one wrong? Thing one thing I've gotten in trouble for saying is that minarchy is the worst form of socialism because its adherents understand the harmful effects of monopoly and yet continue to advocate for it nonetheless. Mm. They don't like to hear that. So No, they no, sure don't. It's a, what the uncomfortable truth. It's like it, once you agree to this, you have to change a lot of other shit because there was so much stuff propping that one belief up. You'd have to and change your entire life. <clears throat> that's actually what we're talking about is the thing that really pushed me into anarchism because i was watching like a rothbard lecture and rothbard i know jay wants to wrap up but rothbard no 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 go ahead this, rothbard gave this lecture about where he talks about like he used to have um you know friends over to like debate and just a, these intellectual discussions and one night he had these leftists over and they said something to him like well murray you know you why do you, you reject monopoly in all forms in all every, in every area except for the police and, and the military and he gave some sort of you know, normal statist answer, but he said that like that stuck with him. And then like for like weeks and like just ate at him and ate at him. And eventually he had to come to terms with the fact that, with the fact that they were right and that you needed a private market in these things. And once I heard Rothbard say that, I was like, yeah, I can't deny it anymore either. So. Yeah. I, I, Murray, Murray's done a lot to bring, I think a lot of us over I, I think at least from, you know, capital L libertarianism to, you know, real libertarianism. But what I don't my biggest issue is when what brought me over and, and I and I give you 100 percent credit for it because you were like, here, read this and, and understand this. And I was like, OK, I'm going to read it. I can literally like become your own bank, grow your own food. Right. Those two things. Right. Your right. Own water, too. Now, well, that that's important. But like going to like, I remember we were talking was over a year ago and I was like, yeah, I'm headed to the farmer's market. And you're like, hey, some of them take silver. I love going to the fucking farmer's market. You want to talk about the Agora? Now, the only thing that's missing is the is the tent with the fully automatic machine guns. That's the only thing that's missing for me, because you have you have honey vendors, you have produce vendors. You've got these crazy religious uh, Amish people selling you their wares. You, yeah. get, you know, They're using iPads to do because they're allowed to use technology for business, which I totally I'm hey, that's I think that that's great. Whatever, whatever gets the cheese in my direction, I'm fine with <laughs> and the unpasteurized, disgusting milk or the, you know, the yeah. cheese you buy at the store, the real stuff, the heavy milk, bring it this way. But, you know, that right there, you can practice agorism on a very micro level and it can expand to a macro level. But you as an individual can make a difference, at least for yourself. You know, you can say, hey, listen, you could you could continue doing things the way you do or you could do it with hard currency where the state doesn't get involved. There's no taxes. You're depriving. Well, I mean, I think yeah. what brought me on was when Sal said every dollar that you deprive the state is a dollar they can't use. To imprison somebody, to use in a drone strike, yeah. We're like, well, huh, you're just one, you're just one person, Jay. Well, yeah, but it makes me feel better because I'm not contributing to the fucking problem. Yeah, you know, sorry. It's a start. It's like they expect you to have the entire solution laid out, and it's like, well, 
I'm not going to get closer to a solution if I don't at least try something like this. But then it's you like, can't like you can't force other people into oh, no. liberty, but you can uh, adopt it in your own life. And if we all do that, then that's like really the only way that we can sort of scale this movement up, in my yeah. opinion. Because other people will look around and be like, that guy, I don't know what it is, but there's something about him that I want. And it doesn't seem like something that I can take from him. So it's yeah. like, now I have to go earn that on my own. And that's and how the, do I do that? Like, that's the point that Lily makes in, in the forward, which yeah, I think that's, is great. I couldn't believe I was reading that. And I was like, who is, who, whose story is this? This is crazy. <laughs> like, it that's was a true wild. story. I believe that's a it. true story. Yeah. But yeah. it sounds absolutely insane. It's like, I'd love to see what other kind of, I'm sure they're full of all kinds of material. They've seen some stuff. They've made yeah, it for sure. All right, guys, anything else before we uh, wrap up? Sal, your plugs, please. Uh, Saudigors.com, uh, 3D printer, go burr for your 3D printers and Agora threads for clothing, household, stuff like that. And of course, the book is anti-politics. You can get it on Amazon, uh, Kindle, Kindle Unlimited, stuff like that. And you can follow me on all of your different social media platforms at Sally Mayweather or just Salvi Agorist. But that's that's it. All right. Excellent. Uh, Christopher, do you have anything, Angel, either one of you? No, just thanks for coming on the show and congratulations on your book. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. But guess what? Just real quickly, I want to mention to everybody that that August is upon us. And for those of you in the Northern Hemisphere, that means continuous heat, humidity, getting wet in places you don't want to, the chafing, the itching, all of the disgusting smells that come with summer. I have the solution. I have the medicine. And it's Todd's Very Gay Soap, also known as Akron Apothecary. He only has two soaps up right now. Those of you that follow the Instagram page know that I saw the operation, the cold press, gay soap, handmade gay soap for that ass. Because, Christopher, it is soap for that ass. Thank you very much. Be sure to patronize the gay business. Show that you're not a fucking homophobe and that you want a clean asshole so that you can do whatever you want to on the weekend, smelling good and fresh for that special somebody or special people. If you're into that sort of lifestyle, some of you that live in different places, you do kind of different things. That's too much work for me. I'd probably have a heart attack. I'm very out of shape for that sort of activity. And, uh, you know, that's against my contract here with the show with, you know, <clears throat> the boss. So anyway. <laughs> Uh, make sure that you clean your ass. Make sure that you clean all of the underboob. You got, I mean, maybe you got some fat going on. That's okay. We don't right. discriminate. You got to wash underneath that because nobody likes a smelly fat person. If you're a good smelling fat person, guess what? Your chances just went up exponentially. And we're here to help with Todd's Gay Soap. He's making new flavors right now. I have a tremendous bourbon one right now that was made exclusively for this guy. Maybe some of you might be able to get it. I don't know. I'll lobby heavily. No promises. But be sure to check out Todd's Gay Soap. He's going to change the fucking name before i die or I'm gonna <laughs> otherwise known as accurate apothecary that's all i have for today please be sure to support sal uh support the great work that he's doing i i mean i wouldn't be where i'm at without him i i, I genuinely care about the guy he's a friend of ours a friend of the podcast a wealth of information and a lot of great memes that shit on some really really great people well no they're not great but the shitting on them is is fantastic so once again thank you sal very much thank you guys all right. Bye, everybody. We'll talk to you real soon. Look out for a fuck you Friday. Bye. Bye.